Hello, Texans, and welcome into NRG Stadium here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio right across the hall from the locker room. It's Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer with you. And tonight, Thursday night, that means John McClain is with us. Last week, we had him when he was in his rowboat, and we had all the flooding last week. But, General, it's great to have you here. It's good to be here. Nothing like winning to get everybody fired up between the Texans being 2-1. and one. Astros about to have the best record in the American League, and People are pumped about the Rockets starting next week. Continues to be the greatest time in the history of Houston sports. What is that? What you're calling it? Well, it is. There's no debate. Okay, you have these three teams. Like you got big stars. You got guys making plays. It's kind of fun to watch. You're right. I'm I'm eager to watch the Rockets with uh, Westbrook. I've always liked him, and I I love that move. And I, look, I don't know if they're going to win a championship. I think it'll be entertaining. And obviously, the Astros are. The Astros, they're really great. It's funny you talk about that because Daryl Morey always gets a lot of credit as our general manager for making big deals yeah. and taking chances. And like Russell Westbrook, James Arden, Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, and people have always, fans and media, the Texans need somebody like that. They need a general manager who's going to be aggressive. Well, boy, they got one, <laughs> even though he doesn't have the title. I wrote about Trader Bill this week, and – Looking back at August 31st, and Tunsil's at left tackle established, and he'll keep getting better and better. And I'm writing about Tunsil for Friday because he comes in on September 1st and starts working, didn't have the luxury, off-season program, training camp, preseason, boom, he's thrust into that role. Then he's got next to him uh, – he gets first Sunil Calamete, mm-hmm. then he gets Titus Howard. Yep. Now he's got Max Sharping, so he's trying to learn the system, what Mike Devlin, Tim Kelly, and Bill O'Brien want from him. And he's got to work with a new left guard every game, two of them rookies. Yep. So now it looks like they got the same starting five on field for the second time in two games, and it's the ones they want to roll with. And uh and Sharping is going to benefit from having Laramie Tunsil next to him. We talk about Tunsil like he's been in the league 10 years. This is his fourth season. He turned 25 two days after the trade. And But watching those guys, and when you think about that deal, you think about the Clowney deal. I get asked about the Clowney deal on talk shows, and I read wrote about that this week. Whitney Merciless has replaced Devion Clowney. And Merciless is off to one of the best starts in team history. That great stat unearthed by the Texans media relations staff about only Khalil Mack and Whitney Merciless since 1993 in the first three games have had four sacks, three forced fumbles, and interception. Whitney also has, of course, 11 solo tackles, three tackles for loss, while Clowney has two solos, one sack when a guy ran out of bounds, and it looked like he needed three games like he did last year since he missed the offseason program. And you know Clowney's going to be better. But you're looking at it, if Clowney was here, Merciless wouldn't be in the role he's in now. Yeah, and he's taking full advantage of it. J.J. Watt picks up a couple of sacks. You love the push. They're getting up the middle with D.J. Reader. And you look at Angelo Blackson, what Charles Domeno has been able to do. So a uh, collective effort. Up front, and John, I pointed this out about the nutrition, sports performance, everything they're doing behind the scenes, how that has really helped this football team. Late in the game, they didn't run out of gas. They had to keep coming after Phillip Rivers. They did, and it paid off ultimately. 
I was down on the field at the end of the game, and I loved that stadium. You know, you were closer than you ever are. We were closer than we ever are, and it was it was great. I'm glad I got to go. So on the field, Aaron Wilson and I at the end of the game, and we're, we're where the sun is shining. And, as you know, one of the reasons they don't open the roof here more often is because there's 10,000 seats in which the sun will shine on them the entire game. So if it's 80 degrees in the shade, it's 90 degrees on those 10,000 fans, and so they keep it closed. And up there, it was hot. Sure. Hannah and I were talking about, man, we're burning up. And uh, both teams at the end, they were sucking eggs, but, boy, when the snap was made, they were all going full speed. And uh, and I thought you were going to say, and I was going to say you better knock on wood, about sports performance and all that. Uh, a lot of teams have a lot of injuries right now. Yeah. Guess who doesn't? Right. And, look, it's early. It's week three. And, you know, we've seen situations where week five, week whatever, players go out, and we don't even want to talk about that right now. It's a week-to-week thing in the National Football League. Okay, they didn't run the ball as well as they wanted to last week, and I'm assuming they want to get back to that this week. You have Carolina. They gave up a ton of rushing yards against the Rams on opening weekend. Not a lot of passing yards in that loss. I think that I don't, I'm not going to say it's an automatic opportunity for them, but they're going to seek to create those situations. Same thing with the Chargers. Their run defense was terrible. Mm. And so they all of a sudden, they made sure they were going to stop the run. And so Deshaun Watson threw for 351 yards. It's hard to stop both when you don't have a good players on the back end and in the front seven. Chargers, I mean, the the. Panthers have a different kind of defense than the Chargers. They got big guys up front. You know, they're power people. They do a lot of bull rushing where the Chargers, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram III, come on the outside. And I thought Titus Howard and Laramie Tunsil and the other pass protectors did a great job. Bosa had half a sack. Ingram got shut out, two overall. And uh, this one They'll they'll try to overpower them. And while we're talking about the offensive line, we have to give credit where credit's due. Nick Martin, who missed most of the preseason and was terrible against the Cowboys his first game back, is off to the best start of his career. I go back, Mark, and I watch all the games twice, and I slow-mo everything. Maybe it's getting $11 million a year. He is playing really well. And you know the line's going to continue to get better and better. And of the 12 sacks, four have been Watson's fault, and then two were other players, other positions' fault. So really, the offensive line has only given up six sacks. And that's when they've been shuffled around and haven't played, hadn't had the advantage of playing together, and they will. I think this offense is going to keep getting better and better. If I'm an opponent, I'm going to let them run. I don't want Watson throwing the ball, running back there, making the kind of plays. He's got so many weapons. John, let me ask you this. If you had drafted Kenny Stills late in the first round, just any team, Garden Variety NFL team drafts Kenny Stills with pick number 25, you're happy, right? You're happy with that choice? My point is this. I go to that trade, and I know we're only three weeks in, but so far so good because you got Tunsil and Stills for the two ones and a two, basically, and – that is working out very well for you right and now. They're the going to uncertain- be here a while, too. It's not like they're coming in for one or two years. And the uncertainty that you do have with late first-round draft choices, sometimes you get a DeAndre Hopkins or a Whitney Merciless. Often you don't. 
most often you don't. So you have these sure things, and, yeah, you had to double up those two first-rounders to make it happen in this package deal. But so far, so very good here because Stills has made every catch. Stills has, and he has. Uh, he's averaging 18.2 yards a catch. He averaged 16.2 in his career. He has four catches of at least 30 yards. That's tied for the most in the NFL. That is miraculous considering he's the third receiver behind DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. And Stills has been a good receiver, a good route runner, and he threw a great block at the end of Jordan Aiken's 53-yard touchdown catch and run. And so he is the entire package. And – for the Dolphins, they knew what they were doing. Knowing how they want to tank, maybe instead of O'Brien saying, we want Kenny Stills, they said, here, take Kenny Stills. O'Brien should have said, well, if we're going to give you two ones and a two, give us cornerback Xavier Howard, who's the last great player they have. And and Stills, I know people, Texans fans don't want to hear this, but if Will Fuller gets hurt, which he's been prone to do, you got Kenny Stills to step in, not Vincent Smith. But now you have Fuller making plays anyway, had the deep catch for the goal to go, had the first down catch on one of those other drives. You talked about it or joked about it in the offseason. And I think it was before Stills was here, obviously. Will there be enough footballs to go around when you looked at the tight end talent and the receiver talent, if everybody's healthy? Well, you kind of have that situation now. You look at some of the catch totals, not – very voluminous for, say, a DeAndre Hopkins. You know, sometimes you're used to nine for one whatever and a touchdown or two for him. But it doesn't matter. They're spreading the ball around, and you still do have DeAndre, who's the money man when you need a big play. So it's all working out so far. Again, it's early. Think about what it's like for defenses when you you got to worry about Hopkins. And then, of course, you got to worry about Fuller and his speed. And then here comes Kenny Stills with his speed playing inside-outside. They're doing a really good job of moving those guys around. I think Duke Johnson is 9.3 yards per catch, so he's doing what he's always done with Cleveland out of the backfield. And then Aikens, you know, we saw Aikens have a great off-season program, camp and preseason. We expected something like this. That game, he was tremendous. Fells, too. Do you think the Panthers, Ron Rivera, and their defensive coaches are not staying awake at night trying to figure out how do we stop all these guys? All right, let's look at the secondary here for a moment. You know, it's funny with Jonathan Joseph, and I've been listening to Sports Talk Radio, obviously, and, you know, some of the guys are talking about callers or whatever. Oh, the big cushion, the big cushion. Okay, look, it's Keenan Allen from time to time, so I get it. And Allen's going to have his – he's going to get his quote against anybody. I found it interesting that late in the game, J. Joe had a chance to make some big plays, and he did make some big plays. Almost had a pick to end the game – with a diving attempt on the right side of the defense, left side of the defense, makes another breakup. I just found it interesting the way he finds a way in the crunch to come up with the big play, like he did against Buffalo last year, that sort of thing. He knows how to handle his body and handle the situation. What was the most amazing thing about that defense to me? Number one, the defense didn't blow it like they had against New Orleans and last year against Philadelphia Two years ago against New New England and Seattle, they made big plays to win at the end. But of all that zipping up and down the field with Rivers and his receivers, specifically Allen, who had his career best day, they had one long touchdown drive. One touchdown drive of more than 15 yards. That's not a lot. Right. 
and and none in the second half. So everybody complaining when I do my mailbag tonight and it's posted in the morning. If I see anybody, uh, I like the Texans, but I'm going to tell them there's no buts after this victory. Quick thoughts on Carolina McCaffrey. Got to stop him. Kyle Allen, what he brings after the four touchdown pass performance. He's a young quarterback. Throws the ball well. We'll see. He's here in this building. He's not playing Arizona anymore, so we'll see how that goes here. He started last year, last game at New Orleans, when the Saints already had everything wrapped up. And and in his two starts, he's at, they're averaging 35 points a game against Arizona and the Saints, who benched a lot of guys. And he has six touchdowns, no interceptions. He's been sacked twice, both in the car, against the Cardinals, primarily Chandler Jones, one of the best pass rushers. And that's great. He's playing better than he ever played A&M or U of H. Started hard to believe a guy benched by Kyle, benched for Kyle Postma is starting in the NFL. But he is, and they love him. But I think if this defense can put heat on him mm-hmm. like they put on Phillip Rivers, you know, Phillips is like a boxer. You hit him in the mouth, he's not going to flinch. But Kyle Allen is a young quarterback with two starts. You hit him like you hit Rivers, I think he'll wilt. Their whole goal is use Christian McCaffrey like the Saints use Alvin Kamara. They right. they shut down Kamara in the first half. Then he had a great second half. So they want to get the ball to him. They want to run it. They do not want Allen in obvious passing situations, and they don't want to be so far behind that the Texans abandon the run. John McClain stays with us. Let's zip around the AFC South, the rest of the NFL, some of the big stories of the week. And also later on, Dr. Kenneth Padell from Houston Methodist. Let's talk concussions. I suffered one recently. I wanted to get his opinion. You know, some free medical advice for me. The opening segment with the general is one gigantic hot read presented by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Geico.com. It's Texans Radio. It's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer with John McClain here in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio. And we are rolling into round two here tonight. Next segment, Dr. Kenneth Padell, Houston Methodist Concussion Center. Talk to him about that injury. Texans still have Kahale Waring on IR. And also, when you come on with a doctor, you need to tell people how you got a concussion. Maybe I'll do that, John. Uh, also, Jordan Thomas. You know, it's funny with the two tight ends here that – we expected, we knew Jordan Thomas could bring it. He had four touchdown catches last year. And Kahale Waring, the projections were going to be pretty good. He's a rookie. Okay, I get it. But we all want to see what he can do. Yet, you got three touchdown catches out of the tight ends you do have last week. Not to rub it in with this tight end thing, John, but my gosh. Because we talked about this in the offseason, how Fells might make the team, and he did, and he's paying big dividends right now. I didn't think there was any way they'd keep four, and they did. Who would have seen Jarrell Adams and uh I predicted Kali Waring would be starting the second half of the year, and he's had hamstring and then concussion. He's on IR. They don't need him. Mm-hmm. They don't need him. They don't need Jordan Thomas because Fells and, Fel and Aikens are playing so well. And uh, so we may not see them all year, barring injury. I think somehow they get Thomas back, and he can bring a lot of mismatch situations for them. We'll see how they handle it. All right, so the Jaguars are going out to Denver. They just beat the Titans in the Thursday nighter last week. Minshew looking good so far. And I think it's interesting how the narrative on them kind of changes week to week. Gardner Minshew, if they win in Denver, people are going to be howling for Vic Fangio to be fired. Mm -hmm. I never thought Vic is a head coach. 
Elway hired him at 60, giving him his first chance, and that's great. I never liked Flacco as their quarterback. And they don't have a sack in three games. Here's Vic Fangio, Jeez. one of the best defensive coaches who's been in Chicago, and the Bears' defense is what helped get them into the playoffs last year and win the NFC North. But with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, they don't have a sack. And uh, I'm assuming that's going to end against the Jaguars. Jacksonville had nine sacks in that Thursday night win over the Titans, but they got the Jalen Ramsey controversy. He's used every excuse except an upset stomach not to be at practice. Who knows if he's going to play. If if he stays out and doesn't play, he's quit on his team. He said he had hamstrings. How many times have you ever seen a player have hamstrings issue? Then he had a back. Then he goes to Nashville to to be present for the birth of his child, which he has the right to do. But one prominent Jacksonville reporter questioned that, is she even in labor? And uh, so that's not a good situation with Jalen Ramsey trying to force his way out because everybody knows he wants a big contract. Plus, he's become a head case. Not a bad guy like Antonio Brown, a good guy. Great corner, plays hard, but boy, he's been in. He's created a lot of controversy the last two years. I mean, you're under contract. You have been playing. Why don't you play? I don't get it. He got mad at Tom Coughlin. Whatever Coughlin yeah. chewed him out after the loss to the Texans because of his blow up with Doug Marone. Whatever he said, I want out of here. You know, it's funny, John, because my kid is 13 and he plays some. AAU-type basketball, but not a super high level or anything. Plays for his school team. You know, he's in only in eighth grade, but he's in playing youth league athletics. And I see some of this even with the kids. And I think this is where it starts, especially with AAU-type basketball, because kids come and go, and they're on this team, and I don't like that team, I'm going to go on this team. And I think some of that mentality gets ingrained at a young age. But here we are in the NFL. My gosh, just play for the team that you're that you have a contract with. At least wait till the off season, like they do in the NBA. Yeah, okay, until the off season. Good point. All right, so we talked about the Jags at the Broncos. Now the Titans at Atlanta. Boy, Atlanta. Losing to Indy last week. We'll get to them in a moment. Beating Philly. I don't even know who Philly is. We'll see them tonight against the Packers. But the Titans, John, in a bit of trouble early. I don't want to call it that just yet. You're only one and two if you win this week and you feel really good about getting a win against an NFC team on the road. But your thoughts on their situation? After they went to Cleveland and just waylaid the Browns, we all thought, wow, they're going to be good. Now they've lost two in a row. They were terrible against the Jaguars. They couldn't run. They couldn't pass. And they couldn't protect Mariota, who was sacked nine times. I think they're going to lose to Atlanta. Fans and media want Marcus Mariota benched. They want Ryan Tannehill to play. If he plays and doesn't play well, then they're going to go back to Marcus Mariota. It's pretty clear. Tampa and Tennessee are going to be in a quarterback market after the season unless Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston turn it around and start to play better. And, and you have the one and two pick in the 15 draft. And then you're back on the market. In and 20, they didn't 20. exercise the fifth year option on either one. How interesting is that? I mean, it's such an uncertain thing, the NFL draft. Okay. What about the Colts hosting the Raiders? Look, Indy with Brissett, he's playing well enough, John. I put it to everybody this way. If you had told me that the Colts, you didn't know Andrew Luck was hurt or retired, whatever he is, he's retired. If you didn't know that he wasn't playing, but 
You lose to the Chargers on opening weekend in overtime. Then you win your next two. You'd say, all right, great. Luck's off to a good start with the Colts, you know? Losing to, to, to the Chargers on the road, year. no big deal. But here's Brissett doing it, and they feel pretty good about their situation. He's played very, very well. They they run the ball well with Marlon Mack. They throw it. Now, T.Y. Hilton got hurt at halftime Sunday, and he might miss this game. And if you take him out of that passing game, they're not nearly as good. It's going to come down to the Texans and the Colts for the AFC South title. All right, Eagles and Packers tonight at Green Bay. I never thought the Packers would be 3-0. and When we spent those four days up there, two joint practices and preseason game, I thought this team doesn't have a lot of talent other than Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers is not playing that well. He's playing in a new system with Matt LaFleur, but their defense is playing well. Eagles got injuries. Philadelphia's problems because they got multiple players out in the offensive line, wide receiver on defense. Fletcher Cox not playing well, so that's easy to target. I think the, I never pick against the Packers at Lambeau Field. How about the Packers and Lions, two Texans preseason opponents, a combined five zero and one? Who would have thunk it? Yeah, especially after the way the Lions looked here, but they're off to a really good start. Let me point out something, and I I know you're hearing this too, Mark. My friends who are Cowboy fans, Oy. they're already getting reservations for South Florida to go to the Super Bowl. And if not for one really stupid Bruce Arians decision at the end of the game against the Giants, their opponents would be 0-9. As mm-hmm. it is, they're 1-8 because Arians took a delay a game because he thought a 29-yard field goal was too short. From the hash, and right? That, yeah, and that the guy would have a better chance to kick it from the 34, even though he'd already missed Never moved two back. extra points. And he missed it, and the Giants win. And Daniel Jones is the biggest thing in New York since Babe Ruth. And uh, <laughs> so the Cowboys go to New Orleans to play the Saints without Drew Brees, but Teddy Bridgewater just engineered an upset in Seattle, so it's a better test. Oh, yeah. This is going to be good. I'm looking forward to this one on Sunday night to see how the Saints do at home with Bridgewater off to a really good start. All right, Patriots at Bills. Brady with the calf situation. And look, sometimes, John, sometimes calf injuries are worse than they sound. Strained calf can be a really bad one. You're shaking your head like, no way. Tom Brady's indestructible. He's made of steel. He could play on one leg. Oh, boy. And he could beat the Bills. He has owned the Bills. It doesn't but matter. they got a good defense, John. Orchard Park. He didn't own them game one of, what was that, 2001? <laughs> was that the year? Remember that? They lost 31 to nothing. It was either 01 or 02. I think it was 01. He's, he's, he has owned the Bills, mm-hmm. and so has Belichick. And Remember when uh, Greg Schiano left? And Belichick said he'd coach the defense, and everybody said, man, you're spreading yourself too thin. I don't think their defense has given up a touchdown. Yeah, they're they're playing really well, and that's why if they were not, I would say, ooh, but yeah, how can you ever pick against New England anytime? I would never pick against New England anytime, any place, now that Peyton Manning's retired. Okay, the Browns at the Ravens, and the Ravens off to that hot start, but they fell short at Kansas City last week. Still put up a bunch of points, and we just talked about the Browns and losing, or actually, yeah, losing to Tennessee. They beat the Jets, but they're off to a very shaky start. Baker Mayfield under a lot of pressure, some literally more, and figuratively. Some more interesting coaching in that game. John Arbaugh goes for two points three times. None of them worked, and they get beat by five. 
So yeah, no. I'm not picking the Browns to win. Uh, the Browns are playing a really tough stretch right now. Something that bothers me about the Browns, Mayfield is always taking shots at the media when he's standing up there in front of them, and he's mad. Freddie Kitchens was taking shots at the media. They're worried way too much about the media instead of the opponent. You know, once a head coach starts taking shots at the media, like, well, you're going to write what you want, then players see that and they start wondering, well, what are they writing? You can't focus on the media. Baltimore is going to win this game. Their defense is still good. Lamar Jackson, he is fun to watch. Any surprises to you, like Seattle not looking good against the Saints at home or – yeah, I that was a big surprise. Well, maybe the look the Bengals looked really good against the Seahawks oh. on opening weekend, and we thought, well, that's got to be a fluke. so many bad teams right now, or it iffy just, teams. It just dawned on me, and I know you'll get a big kick out of this. The three best teams in the AFC right now: New England, Kansas City, and Baltimore. What do they have in common? New England, Kansas City, and Baltimore. They all play the Texans. Oh, thank you very much. Well, I you're going to have like that, but yeah, there are thanks. two of them. Two well, of why, them. Why? Why are the Ravens better? Here. Well, they're lost. They're unbeaten. No, they're two and one. They're and they two and one. Kansas City and the Texans lost to Drew Brees and the Saints and had a late lead. So they're, I don't know. It's they're odd. not as good as the. As, Where'd uh, you put the Texans in your power Chiefs. rankings? I moved them up to I think number ten, eleven, something like. No, maybe I can't remember. I moved them up three or four spots. They be, if, if anybody doesn't have them in the top 12 right now, not that it matters. We Mike don't have Florio a went from 23 to 13, I think. Well, he, he should. He actually picked them to win. It's funny, though, because they're three feet away from 0-3 or 3-0. and It's the NFL. It's like this every week. And they're close to being 0-3 because of big plays, too. Ah, That's why, details. you know, it was, I believe, the seventh game, the Jacksonville game last year, when Deshaun Watson had his collapsed lung and broken rib in which the Texans had a game decided by more than seven points. Seventh game. So all this is something that we should be used to. They're certainly used to these kind of frantic finishes, fantastic finishes. You'd love for them to have Miami games where it's over early and you don't have to bite your fingernails. But I do enjoy the drama. I just want them to come yeah, out on you, top. Yeah, you, you love the drama as long as it's not a 58-yard field goal with no time left. Mm-hmm. And how about this? Bill O'Brien said, yeah, they left lo- yards on the field against Jacksonville. And we all know against the Chargers that, well, they put themselves in an early hole with the turnover, and they could do a little bit better, and I think that they're working on that. John, what do you have going on in the Chronicle? Aaron Wilson has a story Sunday about Deshaun Watson and his progress. I have a column for Friday about Laramie Tunsil and how Bill O'Brien pursued him. The only person O'Brien pursued more vigorously in his life was his wife, Colleen, (laughs) and how he ended up, you know, kept sweetening the pot because the Dolphins told him no, no, and no again. And then when he got stills thrown in there, and right now that trade looks really good. And uh, thank you very much. I look forward to the game, and I'll see you in the press box when I'm uh, uh, in there before the game. Looking forward to that. All right, coming up, Dr. Kenneth Padell, Houston Methodist Concussion Center, on this injury and latest developments in treating, diagnosing, and how I got mine because the general demanded that I tell my story in the third segment about getting a concussion recently. Also, Patty Smith, 
who's going into the Houston Sports Hall of Fame. Hey, if the Texans score two or more touchdowns, head to your closest jack-in-the-box the next day for your free Texans Jumbo Jack with a large drink purchase. People were flocking into jack-in-the-box this past Monday. It's Texans Radio. Second home game of the year coming up as the Texans play the Carolina Panthers at NRG Stadium Sunday at noon. It's Kids Day, so if you're lucky enough to go to the game, there's going to be all sorts of great stuff for kids there and special programming on the video board. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, and the Texans don't see them very often. An NFC team, the last time you saw them was 2015. Ryan Mallett started for the Texans the time before that was the weird game here at NRG Stadium where the Panthers beat the Texans the week after the Texans clinched their first AFC Championship, AFC South Championship. Boy, I'd love to clinch an AFC Championship. Please do that this year. And it's also interesting because we always talk about the Justin Reed, Eric Reed thing. That's been big this week. But Dom Capers was the first head coach in franchise history for both franchises, Carolina in 95 and the Texans in 02. And you have David Carr, his first place of employment after leaving here was the Panthers. And Jake DeLome, who, until Cam Newton was the best quarterback the Panthers ever had, well, the most successful anyway, because he led them to a Super Bowl in 03. He actually was signed to be T.J. Yates' backup late in 2011. So there are some connections for you. I have a connection with Patty Smith. Let's bring her in here to the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Patty, it's great to see you. How are you? I am great. I'm even better now. See, I'm much better because this is this is the day when we'd normally do our show, Texans Huddle, back in the day on Fox Sports Southwest, which still has Texans shows, but it's just kind of different now because it's not really with you and me. I'm on some of them sometime. I don't know how I'm not even on my own shows. I mean, how did this happen? Well, the first thing that happened was we got our divorce, and yep. I don't know, it all went to hell from there. So. We got our TV divorce. <laughs> yes. Somebody's no. asking me, yeah, I know she's your TV wife. I said, yes, but we have, we've gotten a TV divorce. It's, no, it's just a separation, and we just get back together once a month or so. That, is that, well, you know what? That's pretty unhealthy. South. This could go south that's really pretty quick. unhealthy. Let's, let's, actually, we should just talk sports. Of course. You're with the Harris County Houston Sports Authority. And I love the work you do. The first two Houston Sports Awards shows were magnificent. I mean, rave reviews. I didn't know how you were going to top the first one, and you did. Although I don't want to say it topped it. It was just equally good in a different kind of way. And now this year, first of all, the theme. What is the theme this year? Tell okay. me what it is. Well, I am here to announce the theme. And, I, Mark, I, I don't know if you realize this, but not only am I here to do the theme. Usually mm-hmm. these are separate announcements, but I'm going to give you the theme, and then I'm also going to announce the uh, this year's Hall of Fame inductees, you which are. usually kind of coincide a little bit with the theme. I've been shielding myself from you social media all day, so I would have this surprise announcement from you right now. Okay. And I've been locked up in a building. It's like I'm in a tower in Rapunzel. Anyway, go on. Okay, theme. so it's 2020, right? We're rolling into 2020. Yes, of course. It will be 2020 it in January. It will be 2020 in January. January 21st, Fingers crossed. by the way. That's yep. our first announcement, the date, January 21st. Okay. We've moved it back into that um, kind of dead week after the championship games Pro Bowl week. Ah. Um, we had to uh, do some schedule changing, which I'll get to in a minute. But, um, okay. yeah, so it's in kind of a really cool week. We're looking forward to that. But because it is 2020, we're going to kind of have a roaring 20s theme. Uh, oh, right? cool. And it is the 20s. It is the 20s. That makes me feel ancient. So you can put I, your It's gas. not like I remember the Roaring Twenties, but I know about them. So go you, on. You know about them. So mm-hmm. what do you think of? I think of uh, the little hats. Dee, 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 dee. You know, put another nickel in. Like the, the jazz hats? The, yeah, the, the, the flapper girls. The flappers, yeah. 
Is yeah. that what they're called? They are flappers. Okay. And the 20s. It was the Roaring 20s. It was a great time in American history right before the Great Depression. <laughs> it's Gatsby and Gangster yes. and Jazz. Yes. All that jazz. Al Capone. Feathers. Yes. And all that gold and mm-hmm. glitz and glamour. And the Untouchables. It's a golden era. There's okay. the theme. A oh. golden era. It is a golden era in Houston sports right now. I mean, we'll Absolutely. look back on this with the three teams doing well, having great dynamite yep. mega athletes. It's great. Yes, we're entering the 20s um, a century later, another mm. golden era in Houston sports. So that brings us full circle yep. to our Hall of Fame inductees. We've got three that okay. will somehow fit into a golden era theme. I'm doing air quotes, radio yes. people, in case you can't hear mm-hmm. me. Any guesses? A golden Go- era. Gold medals. A golden era. Oh, it mm. is an Olympic year, too, by the way. Carl Lewis. Number one. Carl All Lewis. All right. Boom. Mary Lou Retton. Number two, our first female ever in the Houston Sports Hall of Fame, Mary Lou Retton. Oh, that's Retton. very great. Yeah. And so we do this thing. If you remember at Sports uh-huh. Awards, we get on a party bus with cameras and balloons and all this stuff. Yes. We load up because it's the Houston Sports Hall of Fame presented by PNC. So we've got this big PNC bank party bus. We go out. We show. We surprise these guys yep. and let them know. So we showed up at uh, Mary Lou Retton's house yesterday. Mm-hmm. She had no idea. Oh, And great. she was just blown away. Oh, I mean, that's awesome. Literally, literally I love her, her by tears. the way. I uh, I once did an event with her, and I'll never forget it. It was terrific. And her daughter worked here for us for a little while yep. here with the Houston Texans. Shayla. Okay. And Shayla's getting married like two weeks before You're the event. You're kidding. Absolutely. Wow. All right, so Carl Lewis, Mary Lou Retton, and... And the third one? Simone Biles. No, it's not. Because she's too young to get no, in. Yeah, and they're not all like She's that. not golden yet. I mean, she's golden. So let me just preface this by saying the selection committee picked these three people not because they were Olympians by any stretch. The mm-hmm. third one really is not, but the irony is he's not an Olympian, but he does have a gold medal. Rudy Tomjanovich. Rudy T has a gold medal. He and, does. And he should get into the Houston Sports Hall of Fame. And no he doubt. Is. That yeah. is awesome. And what's cool about Rudy is the selection committee chose Rudy not so much because he has a gold medal. That was that just worked into that's where the theme came from. But right. you know, this year he kind of got snubbed in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And kind of. I mean, it's out and out snubbery. I'm trying to be nice. But this was Houston's way of making it right. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. He'll get in eventually. He'll easily get in, but you know Guy what? Because Guy Lewis eventually got in. Rudy will get in. It's just Houston. People don't understand But he's this going place. into the Houston Sports Hall of Fame right now. This That's is our awesome. way of saying, you know what? Yes. I just did another gesture. Yes, you did a gesture that uh, was not as bad as you might think, <laughs> <laughs> but it was still something you wouldn't want to do on TV, I guess. Yeah. But Rudy's getting in. Carl Lewis is getting in. Mary Lou Retton's getting in. Yep. That is awesome. All right. Thanks a lot, Patty. Thank you, Mark. HoustonSportsAwards.com for information on that great event January 21st. Patty Smith does a terrific job. I always enjoy visiting with her. All right. Let's get to Dr. Kenneth Padell. Now, John McClain made me swear I would tell my concussion story. Some of you heard it. Before, I think. See, that's what a concussion does. No, that's just an excuse, really. I had a concussion the morning of the Detroit Lions preseason game. I was playing hoops and actually took an elbow to the right temple really hard. Like the elbow, just a sharp elbow right in the sweet spot of the temple where there's as little bone as possible, I guess. And I just kept playing. You know, I I definitely felt the butterflies or just birds tweeting around like an old Bugs Bunny cartoon kind of thing. But I kept going because, you know, I've just felt indestructible at the time. And haven't we all been there? Anyway, I felt some pain in my jaw, chewing. And I thought, man, I got a root canal problem. Got to go to the dentist. Later that night, I'm doing the game. And the game goes okay as far as the play-by-play goes. 
I did say a couple of things that made me say, hmm, that didn't come out right, and I really need to say that again. I had to make a couple of corrections and things like that, which is not totally unusual, but it was happening a couple of times in situations where it wouldn't normally happen. I was driving home that night, and I realized I got hit in the head this morning because the jaw was hurting. My teeth were hurting. And then I realized, oh, my gosh, it's the same side as where I got hit. And then later I found out, Dr. Padel told me, yeah, it's all connected there. I talked to Jeff Kaplan, the athletic trainer for the Houston Texans, and he said, at the time, he said, well, let me know if it gets better in a few days. And I said, why? Because then I have a concussion. If it doesn't, he goes, no, you have a concussion. You just have to let me know if it gets better. So I really thought it was getting a lot better, and it is and was, but I could still feel it. It's funny because I can still feel it. It still kind of hurts, and it's been weeks. I mean, this was week two of the preseason, so it's kind of strange. The point here is I kind of understand to a very micro degree what the players might experience, and some of you have had, many of you listening, have had concussions, and, and I think I had one once before as a as a youngster, but this is really bizarre to me because I'm very much in tune with how my brain works, doing play-by-play every week and the way I remember things and describe things and seeing numbers on the field and saying numbers and adding and subtracting in your head while you're saying other numbers, things like that. And I'm used to this sort of thing. But I can tell that it's a little off. And it's interesting to me how a concussion works or disables your brain from working the way it usually does. So I'm just monitoring it. And it's funny because, coincidentally, we're going to talk concussions today with Dr. Kenneth Pidell. So let's get him aboard from the Houston Methodist Concussion Center. And, Doctor, great having you on the line. We talk every year about this kind of stuff. So share with me, if you could, some advancements maybe over the past year or so. What is going on in the world of concussion in Houston Methodist? Hey, Mark. A lot has gone on in the last 12 months. A couple of real interesting things uh, that we're starting to pick up on are a little bit different ways of assessing for concussion. So we're adding some new tools to the toolbox to make it a little bit easier, a little bit more exact and sensitive in in detecting concussions. A lot of that has to do with measuring eye movements and and balance and and how the eyes are involved with balance makes big, big difference for some of the athletes and helping us diagnose concussions more objectively and accurately. The other big thing that's... um, kind of transpired in the last year that we noticed is some of the research showing that individuals who continue to play their sport after getting a concussion, even for 15 minutes, usually take at least twice as long to recover from a concussion than if they kind of come out as soon as they get the concussion. So actually, if if athletes want to get back into the game quicker after a concussion, they're better off getting out faster. I'm curious to know, a concussion, it's a wound, right? It needs to heal just like a broken bone might need to heal. So is that just time? And then how do you tell that it's healed? That's a very, very good question. Yeah, a concussion is an injury to the brain. Um, there's some physical damage to the brain. There's some inflammation, chemical imbalances that all are created when the brain moves around inside the skull. Rest is a critical part of treatment, but it is not the only thing. In fact, too much rest is bad for recovery from concussions. Um, They are treatable, and and by knowing exactly what's going on, is it a brain, sometimes it's a whiplash, sometimes it's an inner ear imbalance that causes some of the concussion symptoms. Having a real good idea of what is causing the symptoms allows us to develop treatment programs that we can start within days of the concussions to get them over it a little bit quicker and a lot less discomfort. 
I know with the NFL players, you get all the baseline measurables so you can tell better if they have a concussion or not and how they recover. How does this work for people where they might be a weekend warrior athlete and they don't have these baseline tests done? How do you diagnose and treat? Very good question. And and the way it works is um, baseline testing that you're talking about with professional athletes, in my opinion, is absolutely a luxury uh, and not a necessity for the everyday individual. Um, athletes get all of the top care and as they deserve it. Um, but for weekend warriors, everyday people, um, it's not we don't always need that baseline. There's a lot of other tools that we use to initially diagnose the concussion. Um, the testing is helpful to know when they fully recovered, and we can still give that because it is compared to normative data to other individuals like them. So we can still use those tests plus a lot of other tests to know when the brain has clinically recovered, and we design an exercise treatment plan to kind of get them back to themselves. Doctor, concussions down almost 30% in the NFL last year. Is this attributed to the better helmets, the way they play it differently now with the safe way to play, and also diagnosis on the sidelines, spotting things early? What do you attribute the whole thing to? The number will fluctuate from year to year. I'm glad it's down 30%. That's a real great improvement. Uh, Every little bit helps. I think the eye in the sky, the way they treat concussions on the sideline has improved. Um, The sensitivity of the tests being used, uh, educating the players. I think what you've seen a lot in the last few years in particular is the player's point of view. Um, It's no longer I'm going to continue to play. A lot of players are, are starting to recognize concussions and are willing to come out uh, so I think it's a whole bunch of factors that have significantly improved, reduced the rate of concussions in the NFL. Doctor, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome, sir. Have a good one. Dr. Kenneth Padell of the Houston Methodist Concussion Center. For the fall sports season, Houston Methodist Orthopedics and Sports Medicine is hosting sports injury clinics on Saturdays for athletes across the greater Houston area. Student athletes of all levels can be evaluated by physician and have x-rays and other imaging as needed. For more information, visit HoustonMethodist.org slash athlete, the official health care provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist Leading Medicine. All right, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Don't forget, tomorrow we'll be on at 6. Bill O'Brien will be with me. We'll have our pregame player feature with Drew Doherty, and I think Justin Reed's going to be on with him. Johnny Harris has a ton of stuff for you tomorrow. I'll be on the show as well, so we'll be loaded on a Friday night game weekend. you got to savor these, okay? I know it's only week four, but I start reminding you around this time of year, we don't take Fridays for granted, right? During the regular season, during football season, there's nothing like a Friday when you got all the games ahead of you and you're really excited, and it just goes back to my earliest days of rooting for teams and professional and college football. It's just so special each and every weekend. Savor it. Enjoy it. Enjoy yourself. There's nothing like Houston Texans football here at NRG Stadium. Nothing like football as a whole. The high school games, all of it. Have fun and savor it. All right, that's my speech for today. Don't forget about Texans Extra Points on Saturday night after the news, which is after the football game on ABC 13 this weekend. So you always set the DVR to record about two hours. Record the ABC 13 news and the shows afterwards. Back-to-back Texan shows. Enjoy yourself with that and enjoy your evening. Packers and Eagles next. Have a great night and go Texans.